Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Wishing you all a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This is Terry from Terry's Mysterious Moments. Have a good one. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Hi, I'm Phil Hughes. And I'm Jen Doherty. We're the creators of The Workshop Presents. And you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show Season 2, where we talk about some movies and read some fiction. If you want to go ahead and get a hold of the show, you can always contact me at Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook or Aaron Horror Show on Twitter or Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to Aaron's Christmas Show. I know you think it's Aaron's Horror Show, but it's Christmas. Elves have taken over the studio. All right, host, you better read this next chapter. Our finest gifts we bring, Parupa Pum Pum. Jing rolled the family battered sedan into a gas station parking lot. Nearly all the windows were shattered. Bullet holes made short work of the sides. The bumper was scraping against the ground. One of the tires was flat. He parked it near the dumpster and ordered the kids out of the car. Amelia crossed her arms and sat firmly in the back. Come on, kid, Jing pleaded. There are more sleighs on the way, I guarantee it. They can spot this car from a mile away. You killed those elves in the sleigh, Amelia said firmly. Those elves were trying to kill you. Now let's get out of here. He reached for her, and Amelia wept. See what you did? Elijah slapped him away and consoled his sister. What I did? What I did? I wasn't the one who burned an elf to death in my trash can, Jing said. You burned Elfie? Amelia bawled. I thought he was a stupid toy, Elijah said. 
He was a friend. Well, an acquaintance, really. But that doesn't mean you should set fire to him. Santa knows when you're naughty, Jing said. Santa's not real. Santa's not real, Amelia squealed. Jing patted her on the back and said, There, there. Santa is real, and he happens to be a good friend of mine. And you expect me to believe that elves are real, and you're not some crazy guy in a costume, Elijah said. Yes, I'm one of Santa's elves. We're one of the elite fixers. We preserve the magic and spirit of Christmas. Our first oath is to do children no harm, Jing bowed. Yeah, right, Elijah said. Come on, Amelia, we're going. He grabbed his sister and they exited the car. Jing followed after them and said, Remember that toy manufacturer with the exploding controllers for their remote-controlled cars? A bunch of kids got burned, Elijah said as he yanked his sister along. Yeah, and they weren't going to pay the families for anything. No binnacle bills, nothing. But then the owner had a change of heart, spirit of Christmas. You know, that's just some money-making scheme. They probably made even more money in sales after the settlement. All their profits go to charity. Who do you think convinced them to change his mind? Jing said. Elijah stopped and said, That was you? Yeah, that was some of my finest work. I thought he'd never crack. He was. Jing was cut short when Elijah sucker punched him in the crotch. Jing collapsed and clutched his nether region. The kid packed quite a wallop. What was that for? Jing said. For lying, Elijah said. My mom told me to hit anyone in the balls who lies and tries to kidnap me. I saved you, Jing said. I don't know you didn't set the whole thing up. You're wearing the same clothes as the people who attacked us, Elijah pulled his sister away. I'm an elf, Jing said, and jumped to his feet. Wait. He needed to think of something fast. The little brat was going to get himself captured. Jing knew how the SEF worked. They weren't above torture. Even though the first elf he took was to protect the children and Christmas, after tonight he wasn't sure anymore. Elves weren't supposed to kidnap, even if the kids were on the naughty list. Jing had an idea. He pulled the tablet from his bag and hit the power button. After it booted, the elf was pleased to note that it had a YouTube app. He pulled up the footage of the owner of the company promising to pay for the harm he had caused. He played the video and demanded, Look! Elijah glanced at the tablet, his eyes widened, and he said, I, I saw this on the news. That's you. The footage displayed the owner talking to the press. Right behind the owner was Jing. What the media didn't see was the knife pressed up against the Aaron toy maker's back. Jing was glad he had decided to apply a little extra persuasion the day of the press conference. I thought there was like some weird toy in the background, Elijah said. So what? You're saying that it's all real? Santa? Killer elves? Yeah, Jing said. And there'll be more sleighs coming any moment now. I want to go home, Amelia squeaked. We have to follow the elf now, Elijah said. Jing grabbed the tablet back and turned it off. He glanced towards the parking lot of the gas station. First thing we'll need is a car. They'll be able to spot us in your parents' one. There was one parked outside the pumps. The owner of the car had gotten into the convenience store. Jing waved them towards it. The doors were unlocked, and they climbed inside. This car was an older model, thankfully one that he could hotwire. He was about to tear off the panel under the steering wheel when Elijah pointed out the keys on the dashboard. 
Jing put the key into the ignition, and it sputtered to life. A burly man with a beard, two hot dogs, and a large soda saw them and dropped his items. He ran after them and yelled, Hey! Jing hit the gas and drove away from the situation, and he left the man in the dust. Later that night, they were at a cheap hotel room. Jing had ditched the vehicle and walked back into the hotel. Thankfully, Elijah and his sister were still there watching some Christmas movie on TV when the wayward SEF had gotten back. Amelia said, I'm hungry. I used the last of my cash to get this room, Jing said. And shouldn't you be in bed? It's way past your bedtime. I'm still hungry, she said. Jing sighed and pushed open the door. He stepped into the night air. He checked the money purse he had kept in his pouch. Since gumdrops were the main currency of the North Pole, the elf old stowed away a small amount of human money for incidentals during his travel. He had spent most of it on the ferry ride and didn't bother to get more before he'd left for shelf duty. There was only change left and most of it was Canadian. He found the nearest vending machine and discovered the coins he had didn't work. Once he was sure that no one was looking, he gave the glass one swift punch. It shattered and he stuffed his pockets with all the chips and candy he could carry. Since he wasn't sure what the kids ate, he took a little of everything. He got back to the hotel and dumped his ill-gotten gains on the bed. The kids' eyes popped out of their heads when they saw the feast of treats he had given them. They proceeded to gorge themselves on sweets. You know, Elijah said between mouthfuls of chocolate, you're so bad. I'm sorry I put you in the balls. Don't mention it, Jing said and sat back in the hotel chair. He wasn't sure about going to sleep tonight, and he decided to keep watch. They were still too close to the hot zone to be out of harm's way. Jean knew the SEF would eventually catch up to them, but he needed time to think. So who were those elves anyways? Elijah asked. Co-workers, Jean said. Co-workers? What? Santa's abducting kids now? I don't know. They were certainly Santa elves. But they could have gone rogue for all I know. Yeah, but why? Because I put you on the naughty list. You put me on the naughty list? I warned you about being naughty this year. Amelia stuck her tongue out at her brother. I didn't mean it. That's what all the naughty kids say, Jing said. I'm under so much pressure at school, Elijah said. It's just me screwing around. Is that why you had it out for elves? No, I have no reason to dislike elves. Look, kid. I was in station at your house long, but from what the last guy told me and what I had experienced, it feels to me like he had it out for Christmas. Amelia gasped. Elijah, Christmas is your favorite holiday. I'll have you know, Mr. Elf, that Elijah writes Santa every year. Most of the decorations on our tree are his. He sings Christmas carols in the bathroom. Enough, Elijah said. I'm going to bed. He climbed to the far bed and pulled the covers over his head. Amelia looked at the sweets on the bed and then at her brother. She was torn between the chocolate goodness and her family. The pull of family went out. She hugged her brother and went to sleep. Later that night, Jing put the television on to help keep him awake. He listened for sleigh bells that would alert him of any elf activity in the area. The curtains obscured any view into the room, and he peeked out on occasion to see if anything had changed like the new cars in the parking lot or slate tracks on the ground. The rest of the time, he listened and watched the screen. The movie on the TV was an old black-and-white one. It was one he had seen in a hotel in Norway one year, but a guy who realizes the power of Christmas and runs screaming holiday chair through the streets. Human movies about Christmas were silly to Jane. He always thought the power of Christmas was self-evident. 
He didn't know why people always had to be reminded of it. Humans always needed some sort of elite team of elves to crack down on the ones trying to spoil it for the rest of them. Jing didn't care too much for human society. He wasn't sure why he wanted to save these two kids. In his line of work, casualties were a part of doing business. He often had to calculate harm to an individual versus the greater good. If he'd let the rogue SEF elves take the kids, he could follow them back to their hideout and figure out what was happening. It was a calculated move he would have made before, but something in him had changed. He didn't want to see these two suffer, even if it could give him the advantage. Strangely enough, he had even forgiven Elijah for what he had done. It was as if seeing Stephen with Julia awoke an emotional part in him he had buried long ago. For reasons he couldn't quite comprehend, he found himself caring about these kids. If Jing was going to catch a ring of human traffickers who were abusing the naughty list, he couldn't have two kids in tow. He also knew that sending them back to their parents wasn't an option either. The rogue SEFs would find the children and torture them for even a sliver of information about Jing. A news report interrupted the movie, and Jing turned up the volume. There was an aerial shot of a suburban neighborhood that was on fire. Well, the Seattle neighborhood caught fire when faulty wiring and Christmas lights caused multiple explosions, the announcer said. The shot changed to the exterior of Elijah's house. It was burning to the ground. Firefighters were spraying it with water. There were emergency vehicles everywhere. The parents were awake and talked to the camera. Our son, Elijah, the mom said. He got his sister and us out of the house in time. We think he went to help the others in the neighborhood. If you can hear this baby, please come home. Jane noticed something in the background. An elf peered into the ambulance. The scene switched back to the newsroom. A female in a conservative light purple suit with straight brown hair said, The children of the family have not been found. If you have seen either of these two children... Jing turned off the TV. Amelia stirred. There's no reason she needed to hear this broadcast. Jing came home to Stephen and Julio curled up in bed together. He approached the bed and pressed a pillow over Stephen's face. Stephen clawed for breath and Julio futilely tried to pull Jing away. The jilted elf held the pillow firm and his lover's body eventually went limp. He pulled the murder weapon away and the lifeless form of his husband cocked his head. Why? He could hear the voice of the dead in both the waking and the dream world. Jing blinked his eyes. It was morning. He was in a chair in the hotel room. Elijah and Amelia ate treats from last night for breakfast. They talked to each other and laughed. Jing cursed himself for falling asleep. If Ellis had tracked him in the wee hours, he would be dead, and the children would be sent to who knows where. He stood up from the chair, and the children got quiet. Amelia was the first to break the silence. Are we going home today? It's not safe, Jing said, and peeked through the curtains, blotting out the window. He inspected the parking lot of the hotel. There wasn't any evidence of holiday chair, no tinsel strands, glitter, or ornament clips. For once, Jing was happy to see a dreary hotel out of the window. So what are we going to do? Are we going to go to the police, Homeland Security? Elijah asked. Human agencies can't help us. Christmas is above the law, Jing said and took a stock of the weapons in his sack. What's the plan? Elijah said. To find you someplace safe, Jing said. Then I will figure out who's behind this. It, we can help. I beat level 12 on Super Sleuths. This is a video game. It's a board game? Yeah, Amelia said. The whole family plays it on game night. 
a board game? Jing said. Well, that changes everything. Tell me, Elijah, have you ever killed a man? No, Elijah said. Then you're not coming with me. But you said we'd die if we went out of your sight. Yeah, that's right. And you still will. Tell me, kid, have you ever heard of a safe house? I read comic books. It's where spies hide from people trying to kill them. That's right. That's where you're going. But if it's elves that you're on the hunt for, uh, uh, then don't you think they'll know all the same safe houses that, that you do, you know? Because they're also elves, Elijah said. The kid had a point. He didn't know who he could trust. All the elves last night helped him break up the child laboring the day before. He needed to get Santa involved. If there are wolves in the hen house, jolly old St. Nick should be the first to know. Without a word of the kids, he picked up the hotel phone. He dialed Santa's hotline. The President of the United States had a red phone. Santa was red and green. Either way, it was one of the most important phone numbers in the world and made the President seem like a pizza delivery service. After he dialed, there was nothing on the other end. It was silent. Jing typed his personal code on the line and there were some clicks and his call got connected to the big phone. After a couple rings, Santa picked up. Jingles, is that you? Santa, Jing said, I have some urgent news for you. He didn't want to reveal too much information. If the rogue elves had hacked their way into the naughty list, then there was no telling what else they had infiltrated. Even though the line was more secure than the president's, all it took was a bug in the office to bypass any security measures on the phone line itself. I heard about the incident last night. We're all worried about you. I'm fine. So are the kids, Santa. I know Christmas is right around the corner, but this is something that can't wait. I need you to meet me. You know I'm busy. I can send an elf team to pick you up. No, Santa, Ching said. No elves. No elves. I need you to come along. Tell them you're doing some early Christmas runs. While it was a few days too soon for early Christmas, it wasn't unheard of. With situations like young couples needing to spend time with both families, the rise in divorce rates, and people didn't always spend December 25th opening presents. In fact, there were even some families who celebrated in July, insisting that Jesus could have been born in December. Either way, it was due to the various times that people celebrated Christmas, Santa would have to make a couple of short trips each year to get the outliers. The Jingles. You sound concerned. Is everything okay? I'll text you the GPS coordinates, Jing said and hung up the phone. Jing pulled his tablet out and was about to turn on the device when he thought twice about it. He shoved it back into his pouch. The same elves who hacked the naughty list could inevitably break into a GPS on the tablet, which meant the elves knew which gas station they were at last night. It would be a simple matter of securing the security camera footage to find out what car he had taken. If they had found the discarded stolen vehicle, it wouldn't take a genius to figure out their hotel. It was the only one within walking distance of the car. The only thing ditching the transportation did for them was throw some doubt as to what room or whether or not they stole another vehicle. However, had Jing been running the operation, he would have left some elves to observe and report. Judging by the fact they didn't storm the place last night, they didn't know what room he was in. Jing had taken precaution while checking in. He had used an alias and even switched keys while the proprietor wasn't looking. Even if they tortured the owner, 
they would be sent to the wrong room. Jing peeked through the curtains again while he weighed his options and lost focus on the kids. Amelia got bored with all the waiting and walked over to the front door and opened it. No, don't! Jing said and slammed the door shut. He yanked her towards the opposite end of their hotel room and she began to cry. Elijah pulled her away and scolded. She's just a little girl. I have reason to believe they are out there right now, watching us. Elijah gulped. So, do we climb out the bathroom window? That'd be a good idea if there were bathroom windows. Before he could think of a better plan, there was a pounding at the door. Thump, thump, thump! Jing knew better than to look through the people. He glanced towards this crack in the curtains they had used earlier. There was a green gift box wrapped in a silver ribbon in the front of his door. Get behind the bed, now! Jing yelled, and the kids ducked. Jing dove from the window as the gift exploded. The door flew off the hinges and crashed against the back wall, shredding the cheap landscape painting of a farmhouse. Jing jumped to his feet, and they all swarmed into the room. They were wearing full elf tactical arrest control team gear. Dark green suits with helmets, breathing masks, goggles capable of every spectrum, and a pointed hat with a bobble on top. The remains of the present hissed, and the room began to fill with a gas. Jing's training had prepared him for an attack like this, and he could hold his breath and endure the burn in his eyes. The children would last long. He dashed toward the two that came in through the front door, kicked one in the face, and cracked his breathing tube. The adversary went down before there was a chance to fire. He knocked away the candy cane machine gun from the second one, and the peppermint bullets tore the wall. He punched the elf in the goggles, and they cracked. The opponent fell on the floor with his partner while they clawed their faces. Jing was lucky these two were not SEF and just run-of-mill elven muscle. Jing used the fallen soldiers in the entry point as a distraction long enough for him to jump over the bed and flip the mattress off. He charged with it towards the door where two more were attempting to enter. He reached in his pouch and tossed a pinecone grenade over the top and held the mattress in place while it exploded. He ran to the children who were already coughing and their eyes were watering. He grabbed a sheet off the bed and herded them into the bathroom. He soaked the linen and tossed at them. It will help you breathe. Don't kill them, Amelia pleaded. Elves don't kill. It's kill or be killed, kid, Jing said. Also, turn in the shower. As hot as it will go, the mist will dissipate the gas. He tied a wet towel around his face and slammed the bathroom door shut behind him. He turned to the intruders who had filled the room. They had pushed the mattress aside. Starlight stood in the back. At least one of the SEFs had survived the crash. He wasn't surprised if Jing had a Christmas ornament for each time he was in a high-speed sleigh crash. If you give up now, Starlight said, I'm sure we could explain to Santa why you went rogue. Maybe he could even give you some full-time shelf duty. Or maybe I can show you how Rudolph got his red nose, Ching said. That's the worst one-liner I've heard in my life. What are you going to do, pop me on the nose? Stephen used to make fun of Jing and called him a fighter, not a lover. Jing didn't have words, not like Stephen did. They'd stay up late and Jing would just listen to the poetry that would come from his lover's mouth while offering very little words of his own. Jing always thought that it was just a quirk of their relationship. Each brought something to it. Now, hearing that Stephen fell for a salesman, a person whose entire arsenal was words, it stung. How about Christmas is cancelled and I have the stamp? Jing said, no. 
Santa knows that you're sleeping, and I know when you're awake. And naughty. What? Starlight said. Serious, really? You, you, you can't? You're not even trying. Shoot him, please. Now they were speaking his terms. Jing could understand. The elves aimed their candy cane guns and sprayed the room with deadly pellets. Jing raced forward and slid under the spray bullets. Peppermint and Triwall exploded around as he skidded under the fire. He knocked over the first two tack elves and one landed on top of him. The soldiers converged on Jing and pumped round after round in the pile on the floor. Their comrade's body shook as it was filled with bullets meant for Jing. He waited for the reload and popped up from the fallen elf. He flung two razor snowflakes and tore open the throat of two targets. He headbutted a third and cracked the protective mask covering his eyes. The fourth got a swift kick to the gut. The surviving operatives closed around him. Another volley of gunfire erupted from their weapons. Jing jumped towards the ceiling, light fixture, and held tightly. Without a target to stop the bullets from crisscrossing the room, the elves blasted each other. Peppermint and blood splattered everywhere. Jing let go of the fixture and landed on an elf who had the insight to get out of the way from the rain of death. He broke the elf's neck and the body hit the floor. There is three left aside from Starlight who stood in the back watching the bloodbath. The final three charged with the guns blazing. Jing dashed behind the television. It had cracked and shattered from the assault. Jing burst from behind the protection with the glitter powder in his palm. When they got close, he flung it towards the assailants. The glitter fluttered around them for a split second with a dazzling beauty. The TV sparked and electricity spread throughout the silvery dust. They all shook and collapsed. Starlight slow clapped at Jing's triumph. Jing threw a razor snowflake and struck the SEF in the skull. Jing may not be a wordsmith, but he knew an opportunity when he saw one. The mist began to clear, and Jing tore off his makeshift mast. He went over to the leader's body and heard the candy cane communicator chattering. It was the voice of the hulking Eastern European elf, Kalachki. Starlight! Starlight! Report! Jing picked up the communicator and said, Starlight's a little busy at the moment. His brain functions are probably shutting down, if they haven't stopped already. Jingles, Kalachki said. You turned yourself in. And we forget this ever happened. So tell me, what do you need the children for? Glitter does not think you understand. She's in charge now since you killed Starlight. Try me. I'm a good listener. Christmas doesn't magically happen, you know. Do you know when we start planning next year's Christmas? I don't know, July. You know I only run special ops for Santa. I'm never part of the day-to-day -day operations. December 26th. You see, we don't get Boxing Day, New Year's, Fourth of July, or any holidays. Christmas is it for us, and demand doesn't slow down. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger every year. Families want Christmas trees with presents that flood into a living room, and they want to be swimming in a sea of wrapping papers. That's what we do. We make sure toy manufacturers, stores, the shipping companies, they all do their part. Jing said. Why do you think I crush the skulls of toy mafias all day? I keep the market open and free. Kalachki chuckled. That's a good joke, my friend. A free market. Everyone wants a part of Santa's business because he has the largest demand for toys. If it were only that simple. Help me understand. You know what? Glitter said she'd be there to tell you everything, Kalachki said. Jing focused his ears. He heard the distant sound of silver bills. The wayward SEF couldn't believe he made another rookie mistake. He was buying time for Glitter. Whoa. 
Elijah said as he surveyed the scene with his sister. Get out of the hotel now, Jing said and shoved them out the front door. He scooped up Amelia and they ran. There was a field nearby. The silver bells got louder and louder. They were just at the edge of the parking lot when a ballistic Christmas tree came out of the sky. Tiny bells on its branches jingled in the wind. There was an angel at the tip of the tree. It landed in the center of the building and exploded. The entire place went up in a mushroom cloud, and the shockwave blew the three into a nearby field. Hey guys, it's Aaron. Uh, the elves wanted me to say that, uh, you know, the, the audiobook was a little late coming out, so, uh, you know, they hired a professional actor to do it because they're not quite satisfied with, you know, my rating. But but there's a professional on Audible, so you, you can get that for free if you, if you sign up for Audible for, you know, like a month or something. Uh, a- anyways, there, there's a lot of good stuff on the RPI network. You know, there's Aaron Hunter's show on Mondays and and mine on on Tuesdays and Terry's on uh, Wednesdays and 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 Sean Patrick Jones he's taking a little time off now uh, for doing some political stuff and and then there's a new show there's a there's an actual ghost hunting show you know uh, it's a it's a video so you you got to check that one out it's really cool all right guys uh, I'll see you next <coughs> next week if I if I survive.